Well, good afternoon. Am I on? I think I'm on. Welcome. It is the, what is today? The 16th of November, the week before Thanksgiving. So we won't be here next week for Thanksgiving. We'll be here, but we won't be online. Um, So uh, happy Thanksgiving to everybody a week ahead of time since I won't be here next week. But you're watching Anchored in Hope with Father Larry Richards. I'm Father Larry Richards, and the way this goes is I do a half-hour talk, and then there's a half-hour of you asking questions. You can do it live online by just going to the chat there at live chat and typing something in, any question you have, or you can send an email to the reasonforhope.org. Uh, uh, just go to there and hit uh, send email to Father Larry and just put in there, a question for podcast and we will get them. So the first thing we got to do is pray in the name of the Father and the Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Father God of love and mercy, we ask your Holy Spirit upon us that he would lead us, he would guide us. Help us to be grateful and thankful that we may please you and always do your will. We beg you these things, Holy Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Mary, Mother of Jesus, pray for us. Good Saint Joseph, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Okay, today we want to talk about Thanksgiving um, and how we can be grateful and what we should be grateful and how to make that practical uh, to get us ready for next week. And it's also going to be something I'm going to be talking about as uh, we enter into Advent, give you guys a head up before I give it to my parish. Uh, but also I want to deal with the, the reality of uh, that happened after last week about just uh, all the stuff we, I think we touched it, I've touched on this a couple times, but all the stuff that happened to Bishop Strickland of the Diocese of Tyler. Um, again, we never know the fullness. The only one that knows fully what happened is the uh, nuncio who met with the bishop and bishop himself. Um, and he isn't saying, you know, he's saying part of what his interpretation is, but there is a whole list of things out there. And things are coming out from the parish because it isn't just because of, you know, he's still a bishop. He still has the power of the bishop. He just is uh, not an administrator anymore. And for some people, administration isn't their gift. And uh, if it isn't your gift, like I am not an administrator. That's why I have so many people around me who are very good at that stuff. We have Mo at the foundation and the staff, and I have Diane at my parish and the staff. And so I am a big visionary, but I am not one that can carry everything through because there's so many things uh, that I'm involved in. So I just look at certain things at a time, and I go, okay, here we go here. I'm going to focus on the foundation tonight's our board, so I'll focus on the foundation tonight. And then the other day, uh, next week, I have DME, which is my retreat program. So I meet with the board with them. We focus with that. When I'm with CMLA, Catholic Men's Leadership Association, when I'm with the board, we focus on that. So I'm always trying to refocus and do things. So I need people to do that kind of stuff for me. So uh, that's part of the reality. Uh, and uh, Rome doesn't say why they do that to save face for bishops. You know, they want to try to let bishops uh, keep face, you know, to 
to not sit there and downgrade a bishop of the church, you know, so uh, not downgrade, but not uh, say negative things. So Rome, by definition, for all these things, and this isn't the only one, you know, they, Strickland's the biggest one now, but um, Stitka from Knoxville was removed a couple months ago, and a guy uh, from Steubenville was just removed a couple months ago. And so this isn't just like Rome's picking on Strickland. Um, it's just happened three times in the United States in the last six months uh, where bishops have been removed, none of them because they're bad guys. Um, as far as I know, you know, I've never heard anything about being bad guys, but some just because it's just uh, administrative issues, you know, or whatever it is. We don't know when it comes right down to it. Um, but what we need to not do is to jump on board and say negative things as so many people have been doing. And like I, I dealt with it at my parish on Sunday afterwards, and I just said, if any of us are, like I was reading some of the comments about how evil uh, Pope Francis is and how uh, you know he has no right to do this and he will go to hell or whatever, very horrible things. Again, when you speak those things, you bring judgment upon yourself. Um, because God says the way you measure, I'll measure back to you. And then people that do that hateful stuff should never receive communion because they have hate in their heart and they're disobedient and they're proud. Um, and so when we're throwing rocks at these uh, people, we have, we have no right to judge uh, Strickland, no right to judge the Holy Father and all the people that made it. We know that there's things going on that we just don't know. And so often we listen to little snippets, and when we hear these little snippets of anything, uh, we take it as truth. You know, just as simple as uh, a couple of weeks ago we talked about it, but when they say that, see the Holy, and I was just with a priest last night, and he said, because uh, I was sticking up for a pope, the pope, and he was not, um, said the mess of the pope, and I says, uh, I just think he's the greatest thing that's ever happened to the church. And then it really sets people off when I say that. And uh, he says, oh, yeah, so we're supposed to go around blessing uh, homosexual unions now. And I go, nope, again, you have fallen victim to everything else. He says, we can bless homosexual people that are in unions. We don't bless the union. And again, as we talked about, we... Uh, do this kind of stuff all the time. People come to me for blessings that are in bad marriages, having sex outside of marriage, uh, looking at porn, uh, getting drunk all the time, um, judging other people, doing the sins of uh, gossip or detraction, which can be mortally sinful. There's a lot of things, and yet they still come up and they say, Father, can you bless me? Yes, I can bless you. Because when I bless you, that's giving you the opportunity and the grace of God to come to a deeper repentance. Or, if not a deeper repentance, repentance. So we got to be doing this stuff. So, again, I'm not going to uh, spend any more time on this, except to just pull back, breathe. Don't add to the division. Don't add that you think you know what's really going on, because you don't and neither the most of the people that open their mouths online, including me. That's why I'm saying right up front, I don't know the fullness of everything. And nobody else does except for the nuncio, the pope, of course, if he, if he follows it. I don't even, you know, it's usually the pope signs things, 
but usually they bring things into him and he signs it, you know, because he's trusting the people under him. So it don't sit there and think the Pope was sitting there looking at everything and going, okay, I'm going to get rid of this bishop in uh, Texas. He probably knew it. He knows that he had uh, spoken against him in different things, but he's not the type to go after people. That's why they had a visitation. And uh, after the visitation, the bishops that were there, uh, they're the ones that made the recommendation, according to Cardinal DiNardo, who's in Houston. And, of course, he's a uh, really blessed guy because he's from Pittsburgh, of course, you know, just like me. So uh, anyway, uh, but what we want to do is always pray for everybody involved. That's all. Um, don't jump to conclusions. Just pray. Okay, so that's enough said about that. So now let's sit there and focus on the reality of uh, being people of thanksgiving. The very every time we go to mass, the mass we, it's called the Eucharist. So every time we go to mass, it's supposed to be offering Thanksgiving. So we are not a people that just celebrate Thanksgiving once a year in our country because again, Harry's here from uh, uh, France, and we have people all over the world from Australia and that that watch. And so I'm guessing most countries have a Thanksgiving Day, and so as we have a Thanksgiving Day here. And I always love Thanksgiving because it's a time you don't have to get presents for anybody. You can just go and enjoy each other's company and uh, relax and eat and drink and just be with each other. Huh? It's uh, harder and harder for me now that more and more my family has gone and wait for me in the kingdom. Um, but, you know, I still have my brother and I still have my stepfather. And uh, as I told you last week, they had, uh, they're putting him in hospice, but not an imminent death hospice. That's what I always thought it was. But since he's in a nursing home, instead of him going when he gets sick, like last week they put him in the hospital, they won't, they'll stop taking him to the hospital. They'll bring people into his nursing room and uh, give him stuff there as opposed to him going to the hospital for 24 hours, and they say they can't do anything anyway. So uh, I talked to him about all that last uh, I went down on Monday. And I spent time with him and, um, you know, we had a great conversation. So, uh, but Thanksgiving is a time where as a country give back, but most of us have that. But in the Catholic Church, every time you go to Mass, we're supposed to be offering Thanksgiving. The Eucharist means Thanksgiving. And again, some people when they go to Mass, it's all about uh, them and I either don't get anything out of Mass or I go to Mass because it's my only time I have comfort or whatever. But Mass is really the time where we give back to God thanks for all that in His mercy He has done for us. So to be people filled, and I just talked about this um, yesterday because yesterday, if you watch the daily Mass, the, the gospel that we'll read on Thanksgiving Day we read yesterday also, it was part of the daily reading, uh, the assigned reading for yesterday's Mass, and it's about the ten lepers, huh? And you all know the story, you've heard it quite well many times throughout the years. Um, ten lepers come and ask to be healed, he healed all ten, and out of the ten, only, nine, only one came back out of the nine. Isn't that a surprise? Only one out of the nine came back and offered in a loud voice, Thanks to God. Thanks be to God. And then Jesus says, go, you have, your faith has healed you. So it's interesting. We don't know about the other nine. But by the one, 
Jesus says, it's your faith that healed you. And isn't it interesting that his faith and gratitude are on the same plane? That it's because he was grateful that that proved his faith. Sometimes we talk about we're people of faith, but we're not people of gratitude, huh? Um, you ever been with people that they're always negative about everything? Hopefully it's not you. But, you know, they always find something wrong with something and different things. We got to start, and again, what we think is what we feel. So if we have everything's negative and negative thoughts in our head, then we feel negative and we say negative things and all that reality. But if we are filled with gratitude uh, in our spiritual life, you know, so... Think about how you pray, first of all. Or is your prayer always gimme, gimme, gimme? Is your prayer always I need, I need, I need? Or is your prayer always filled with thanksgiving? Because remember, he says, make your petitions known to God with thanksgiving. Huh? And so, again, what that means is, um, remember I used to tell, I told you about Mother Teresa's um, mini novena, her 10 memorares. Uh, nine in petition and one in thanksgiving. So she'd stop and she'd start saying her nine memorares. And then immediately she would add her prayer of thanksgiving. Thank you for hearing me. You know, and so that's a faithful thing. God, I believe and I uh, am grateful. So faith and um, gratitude go hand in hand. And we got to be people that are like that. You know, sometimes like we get at the foundation People sometimes will write almost every day and say, please pray for me, I need this, I need this, I need this. And sometimes I just want to respond in saying, you're never going to be healed. Why? Because it's all about you. It's all about you need prayers. It's no thanksgiving there. There's no, uh, I want to offer up my suffering for other people. It's all about uh, this uh, Dead Sea type thing. It always comes back to themselves and what I need and what I want and how I need healing and da da da. And so the healing never comes. Again, in the scripture, the way that uh, the, uh, Peter's mother in law, after she was healed, one of the first healings Jesus did, she immediately got up and waited on people. So, like when I do a mission, I say, listen, the Lord isn't interested in healing you so you can have a good retirement. The Lord's interested in healing you so you can do his will, so you and I can serve. And when we start looking at life that way, it gives us a different perspective. So first of all, let's look at our prayer life. Am I a person who is thankful to God every day in my prayer? And that means I got to be doing more than just saying prayers every day, huh? just saying my whatever really fast. That means I enter into intimacy with Jesus, with the Father, through the Spirit. And uh, I just begin by thank you, God, that I am alive today, that you love me, that you uh, died for me, that you give me yourself in the Eucharist, that you forgive me my sins, that, um, that I can walk, I can talk, I can hear. And if you can't walk and talk and hear, there are other things you can do. You can still think. Um, you're still loved by the God of the universe who calls you his son or daughter. And uh, sometimes the devil makes us look at everything else that isn't going right. So we won't be people of thanksgiving. Because when we are people of thanksgiving, 
we get lifted up and then people are drawn to us. You know, so everybody gets complaining and yelling and all this stuff about whether it's the Pope or the church or all that stuff. Nobody is coming to God because of that. They're being uh, sent away from God. So what happens is my complaining becomes more important than bringing people to the intimacy of Jesus Christ so that they can live forever. So my complaining becomes a selfish act that not only affects me, but affects everyone who hears me and everyone in my family. So after we sit there and think about, am I a person of prayer, of gratitude in my prayer life? Am I a person of gratitude in my speech, in my talk? Do I, uh, am I a negative Nelly um, or Nancy or negative uh, Nate, whatever it happens to be? That's all I'm talking about, what's going wrong, what can't be done, da-da-da. Or do people think I'm a little nuts because I'm grateful to God for the things he does to me? Now, again, it's easy for me to say this. It's harder for me to live this. I have learned, in uh, as I've taught most of you, um, that when someone asks me how I am, the answer always is blessed. Why? Because that way I'm not drawing people to myself. I'm pointing people to God. Because he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. So when it comes to our speech, when people ask us how we are, how do we respond? Do we say blessed? Or do we say I'm bad or life stinks or I can't believe it? You know, Um, someone just told me, oh, it's a hard time in the church. It's a hard time, you know. There's always been hard times. I mean, I I was thinking last week as I was uh, driving from place to place, um, we are so blessed here. And there's so many people that are dying of war. I think I talked about this last week that are, you know, babies dying, uh, children starving because they can't get food in these war places and and here we are sitting in our nice places watching our videos and uh, on TV or our phone or our computer um, and just almost oblivious to all the hardship that's going on in the world. So some people could sit there and say, Father, how can I say I'm blessed? Don't you think that's an insult to the people who are suffering? No, because we've all went through our suffering, and if not, we will. On your will. It's just part of the reality. But when I know that even when people are struggling, I got to, first of all, when I know that I'm blessed, make sure I'm doing things to help those people. And I can do that when I know I'm blessed. I can share my money. I can share my time. I can share my prayer for them. So I'm, again, it comes back to that generosity in prayer. And uh, uh, so am I praying for these people who are struggling? Or am I only praying for me and my needs? Again, I just think that God blesses those who are generous, even in their prayer. Huh? So that we are people that are uh, praying in great generosity uh, for all these people who are suffering in the world, but still praying for our the blessings that God has given us and even the struggles that come into our hearts and our lives that there's still, when things are going bad, there's still so much to praise God for. Even 
like again, where these people die, where the world puts a period, God puts a comma, and he brings them home to life eternal. And again, you can believe that unless you're one of those uh, people that, uh, you know, think that the only ones that God takes care of uh, is Christians, everybody else he doesn't take care of. And oh my, sure don't have a generous heart. And if God's calling us to have generous hearts, you better believe he has a generous heart. If someone comes to me and they're not a Christian and I treat them bad, that would be a sin. And so God cannot sin. So he doesn't treat some people better than others. And if you even think in that, stop it. God treats everyone as his sons and his daughters. And so we must treat everyone as his sons and his daughters. Mother Teresa saw everybody, the atheists, the Hindus, the Buddhists, Jesus. She saw Jesus in all of them. Well, that can't be. Well, sure it can. Well, where does it say that in the Bible? In him all things were being created, and nothing came to be without him. So nothing was created without going through Jesus. So Jesus created them. And when Jesus died, he died for everybody. Remember, we talked about salvation. Everybody he died for. Now, how I receive it is what we talk about. But if he didn't love the people before they were baptized, then they couldn't have become baptized in the first place. So God is, everybody is his sons and daughters. And you got to get out of the mindset. And that's why this uh, credo catechism is so bad. It's not just uh, when people talk about, oh, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's almost evil. It's, about, it's the best way for me to say it because it says in there, uh, that if you're not Catholic, you're not going to be saved. Please. You know, I just think God in heaven, he either laughs when we sit there and think that uh, we know how he works better than anybody else, or he gets angry when he, we start telling him and we start telling the world how God works. And the Pharisees did that. God can't love you because you're a sinner. You're blind because you're a sinner. Your parents sinned. That's what they believed. That's what they taught is truth. And then when Jesus said, when the apostles asked him, so the blind man, so who sinned, him or his parents? Neither. <laughs> Stop it. So again, when people in our faith are just, instead of inviting everyone to the truth, they just start telling everybody who's not in the truth how bad they are. My mother, for many years, refused to come to church because she thought that the only thing the church did was keep people away from God. Because huh? my mother was married three times. And of course, um, when you're divorced or remarried, of course, you can't go to communion. Well, unless you have it blessed, of course, and she didn't. Um, and so all those things. So uh, instead of seeing the church as inviting her to repentance, inviting her to the love of Jesus. She saw the church as keeping her from Jesus. And that's horrible. Horrible. When we, the church, who by definition is Jesus Christ, when we try to try to keep people away from Jesus instead of inviting people to Jesus, must they repent? Yes, they must. Must they change their life? Yes, they must. But they'll only come to do that when they know the love of Jesus. Again, the woman in adultery, he didn't say, repent and I will love you. He said, 
Does anyone condemn you? No one, sir. Neither do I condemn you. Then he said, go and sin no more. You see how we got to change, how we got to make sure that we, the church, everyone in the world sees the church as Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ came to call sinners. I said this morning, if you were at Mass or watched the Mass today, I said, Jesus hung out with sinners. That's why you're here today. Do you got it? <laughs> I looked at the people. Some people scrunch their nose at me when I say those type things. I know, oh, here we go, Father. But, and I said, but me too, of course. That God hangs out with me, a great sinner. I'm not just a sinner. I'm his beloved son. But I am a sinner. I am a selfish, miserable human being sometimes. And Jesus still reaches out to me and loves me. And that makes me better. And it makes me want to constantly change. So can you imagine how do people ever get to change if they don't know the love of God? How is that even possible? Because most people are so, the deepest need in everyone's heart is to be loved. And if they don't feel that love from love itself, God, through his church, then they will fill it with everything else to try to fill that emptiness inside. And when we yell at them about that emptiness, it makes the emptiness worse. And they try even more to fill the emptiness with sin. But if we bring to them the love of God, then God's love will bring them to repentance. See, there's a young priest in the diocese that keeps calling me a liberal, and it makes me mad. And uh, he knew it a couple weeks ago. But I do a holy hour every day. I fast. I do everything I need to do, dedicated to Our Lady, faithful in prayer, faithful in doing God's will in my life. I'm a sinner, but still. And I've done that longer, and he's been alive. Longer and he's been alive, I have been a priest. And so consistently, and then people out there say, oh no, Father, you're, you're becoming liberal, you're becoming soft. And I'm not. I am becoming hopefully more like Jesus. Jesus was not a person who went around condemning sinners. He went around condemning righteous people. You got it? the people that thought they were in good graces with God. He's the one that slapped them around. That's the way God deals with us. And so we got to do that. So if you're one of those ones that don't want to sit there and bring people that you don't, have an, you don't have any idea about your own sinfulness, God has went out of his way to love you, and he still loves you even when you keep sinning, right? You go to confession, some of you once a week, because oh, I'm a sinner, and yet he still loves you. And it's his love that brings you to conversion. But we don't offer that to the same to others. So what I'm saying is, again, on this tangent I went off of, that if we are grateful to God that he died for us, we're grateful for God that he is constantly calling me to repentance, then I'll be too grateful to be worried about condemning anybody else in my life or in my world. And that will be attractive to people to come to know God because people want and are attracted to love. They're attracted to gratitude. As long as it's not this la-la, you know, as I've said before, you know, I'm too blessed to be stressed. Nope. I'm stressed and I am blessed. You can be both. It's life. huh? God calls us to the cross and that can be stressful. But we can still be grateful. 
So what I'm going to be talking about with my people for when Advent starts, but we're going to get them started at Thanksgiving, is that we start every day with five things we're grateful for. So you have to start a journal if you don't have one, and you start the day every day writing five things you're grateful for. And I'd encourage you not to do the same five things every day because then it becomes habitual. But to try to think of different things every day that you're grateful. So the first day it's because I can walk, I can talk, I can see, I can hear, and I can eat. Very good. The next day, uh, Jesus died for me. I can receive him in the Eucharist. I can go to confession to him. Uh, Jesus uh, always loves me, even in my sin. I am alive today. Next day. Oh, Lord, I thank you that uh, uh, whatever I can hear, that I have people that love me, that I live in a free country, or I live in a country that I have food every day, or that I can uh, whatever, and just every day. And then, of course, you're going to go back to some of the things, but just think of every day from Thanksgiving to Christmas. We just wrote down every day five things we're grateful for. Every day. Every day. We write five things we're grateful for. I think that come Christmas, we'll be very grateful that the God of the universe became incarnate for me. And again, as I always tell my people at the uh, every penance service, the week of Christmas, I always say in, in Matthew 1, what the angel said to Joseph, you shall name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. We should be most grateful that God sent Jesus to save us from our sins. You see? So if we can start being grateful every day, then great things will start happening in our hearts and our lives and the way we talk and the way we pray, um, the way we live. I think it could be a fantastic as we begin a new liturgical year uh, right after Christ the King, which is this Sunday, or yeah, next, this Sunday. Next Sunday. Yeah, next Sunday. This Sunday's the 33rd, is it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Anyway, so, sorry, I have to always uh, make sure where I'm at on what day I'm at. As, a, as an aside, I'm going to be down in... Um, yeah, this Sunday is the 33rd Sunday, so it's next Sunday. We begin uh, as uh, Christ the King. Uh, I'm going to be in the Allentown Diocese uh, this uh, Saturday for a uh, men's conference. It's my last conference of the season. By God's grace, I don't have another conference until February. I'm so excited. You know, um, and so um, we just... Uh, if you're in that area, come down. I was just up in Doylestown uh, two weeks ago, so it's a little bit southern. It's still six hours. Um, I got to give two talks there and hear confessions on Saturday and then leave there about two thirty, three o'clock, and then drive back to Erie. So it's a long six-hour drive after you've given two talks and heard confessions. So, again, you got to pray for me if you would be so kind. Um, and then, uh, of course, we pray for you. Okay, it is 3.31, so let's go to some questions today. Here we go. Hello, Father Larry. Hello, Tony DeWild. Hi, Father Larry. Hi, Chris. Greetings from Belgium. It's good to have you with us from Belgium. 
You beat Harry this week. I don't even see Harry here. Wow. Julia, hi, Father Larry. I hope you have a great Thanksgiving next week. Me too. Uh, I'm going to be doing a bunch of different things. Good afternoon from Charlotte, North Carolina. Good to have you, Bruce, as always. Um, Julie Neumann, how are you? With charity, this question is not to catch anybody out to be disrespectful, but I think you said it's okay to bless same sex. <laughs> Completely wrong, Julie. Every week you come on and every week you take it out of context. I am not, we cannot bless. We cannot bless. We cannot bless unions. Same-sex unions. We can bless same-sex people, persons. We cannot bless the union because the union is sinful. We are allowed to judge actions. We can't judge people. I don't know how much clearer I can be about this. You must love Every homosexual, every sinner, everyone, just the way God loves you even when you sin. We can never bless sin, but we can always bless people so that they can stop sinning. You understand that? So, you, every week you say something like this and you press my button. So I'm telling you, make sure you hear what I say and make sure that you have a heart instead of always looking for what's wrong, that you have a heart always looking for what's right. And when you do that, you are going to have a heart filled with joy and gratitude instead of judgment, condemnation, and guilt. I hope you get it. I've talked about Many times, but I'm just telling you, I'm saying this is exactly, we can never bless sin, but we can always bless people. And all of us have sinned and are sinning by judging or being uh, detraction or being gossipy. So I think I'm clear. Hopefully I'm clear here. I know I can get a little crazy, um, but... It's just the way. He did not say you can bless the union, you can bless people. Thank you, Chris. That's very good of you to, to, to say that again. Father Larry, can you explain the Freemasons not being allowed within the church? I need, I read the Pope press release yesterday. Yes, this has been a uh, John Paul II, way after the catechism came out, said it. Freemasons in the United States, it doesn't seem like a big deal because they have Shriners and everything. They take care of uh, uh, children. Um, but the Freemasonry, like if, uh, and again, you can't be Catholic and Freemasons, but there's a lot of Catholics that are Freemasons. And so let's say uh, the Catholic dies. Not only does the priest come, but a Freemason come and they have their own religion, their own service, their own prayers. And that's why it's incompatible with uh, Christian or Catholicism anyway. Uh, because again, we have to all be in union with what we believe. And so, again, in the, the, when Freemasons were started, it was very anti-Catholic. So it's been, but again, people sit there and, like in America, they say, Father, I'm, I'm supporting the Shriners, so am I in sin? No, but you just can't be a Freemason, okay? And it's much more, I encourage you. Um, what they just did was reaffirm what was said 
um, after the catechism came out. And you can go and read the original document. Uh, so if you Google why Catholics can't be Freemasons, you'll find that document. And then it'll explain that stuff a little bit more um, um, greater. Also, you can go to Catholic dot, uh, catholic.com, Catholic Answers, and there's, uh, they've answered that question more than once on there too. Um, but again, we're not saying people are bad people. We're just saying it's incompatible. It's like being... Uh, Muslim and Catholic at the same time, uh, primarily, okay? Good, thanks for the question. Today is Paul's birthday. Well, happy birthday, Paul, you pagan. That's not nice, Father, to call me a pagan on my birthday. I know. Whom I love, I chastise. So happy birthday, Paul. Um, please explain the parable, Luke 16, 1 to 8. Why well, was cutting the debtor's notes a good thing? For the children of this world are more prudent in dealing with their own generation of children of light. What it's talking about, of course, is that, that the people of the world, um, they can use the world's resources for their good. But Catholic, or Christians are not using the world's recess or resources for salvation of others or for uh, uh, people. Like you can take... Uh, another way for explaining it is like you can take, uh, you, you can do everything for money. You work 40 hours a week for money. But when it comes to your salvation, it comes with the salvation of others, an hour a week will be plenty. Huh, Father, that's plenty. Is that all I have to do to go to heaven? So you see that the people of the world will go and do things for things for themselves or for things that are passing. But the, the people of the kingdom, they don't want to do anything more than what they have to. Huh? Like I was just in a mission in Cape Girardeau. And um, there was a lot of families in that parish, a lot of schools, over 400 kids in the school. But we were maybe three-quarters filled every night because uh, a lot of people just didn't care, you know, because I don't want to worry about religion. Now, again, it's what Jesus did, does for you, but you still have to accept what Jesus has done for you and then let him live his life inside of you. So it's not like no matter what I do, it's okay, Jesus died for me. No, no, no. You have to receive what he did when he died on the cross for you, but then you have to let Jesus live his life in and through you. So you got to start living it. So that's what he's trying to talk about, that people do anything for this world, but they won't do anything for heaven. Okay. Okay, Julie, please, for the love of God, don't get angry. As I love the Catholic Church and the priest. Julie, I don't think you do. Every week you come out with something uh, negative and always trying to say bad things and con trying to corner me. So that's why, and, and you haven't seen anger on me yet. I mean, I'll, I see someone right after this about my anger issues, but the, what I just did was not getting angry, trust me. When I get angry, everybody knows I'm angry. I am trying to be as Jesus was to the Pharisees, trying to be strong with you so you stop thinking this way. I'm glad you say the rosary for the Pope and everything and priests and bishops every day, but you say it almost the way you talk every week on here through like a judgment, like, oh, I got to pray for these people. And so I have to pray in thanksgiving for these people that the Lord God gave us a Pope like this and, uh, and that you don't take things out of context. So when I just said something, you immediately, immediately took it the exact opposite. You said I could that we're called to bless unions. And that is not what I said, but you found that immediately. So I'm doing this for the love of God. I'm doing this so that you can stop doing this. You must stop doing this. 
Huh? And if this was a one-time, I'd say, okay, that's okay. But it's not a one-time. You do it almost every week. So sit there and ask God for a new heart that you will only see the good. Let God be the judge. He can do it all by himself. He doesn't need you to do that. So relax. Ah, I don't have to judge anybody. Exactly. I don't have to make those judgments. Exactly. Let God do it. He's going to do it with or without you anyway. What we're called to do is all people know that you're my disciples because you love one another. So be as Jesus. So again, I'm hard, Jolie, to make sure that you hear me. That's all. And so other people too, like, he's hard. I am. I just said people just came all the way up from Florida just to see me and go to confession. And uh, they say, Father, we come up here because you tell it like it is and uh, that you're strong. And I am. But hopefully, even in my strength, I'm being strong in love. And so I'm trying to get us all to be on the same page of Jesus Christ. So again, Jesus was sometimes really hard on some people. Even the apostles he was hard on. Remember when he called uh, Peter his first pope? He called him Satan. Get thee behind me, Satan. Well, was he mad? Probably. Was he not loving? No. He had to get Peter's attention. That's why the Holy Spirit has kept that line in the scriptures for 2,000 years. So again, there you go. But again, we can't be doing that. And the Catholic Church can change the teaching of the church. Can, can, can. Has changed the teaching of Jesus. It has, has, has. What has happened? Jesus, who is God, always reached out in love. Jesus, who is God, gave the church the power, whatever you declare loosed on earth will be loosed in heaven. Jesus, who is God, it used to be the Sabbath was on Saturday. The church changed it to Sunday. It used to be to be a Christian and there was a man, you had to be circumcised. The church changed that. God said it and the church said, no, you don't have to be circumcised to be a Catholic anymore. It used to be God said you couldn't eat bacon. Then the church came and changed it and says, now we're allowed to eat bacon. So you got to know what you're talking about before you make these type of statements. You don't know what you're talking about. I'm telling you, look it up. The church has changed a lot, a lot of things, a lot of things. If you knew the history, so I'm trying to, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to respond anymore, period, because I'm, it, it, it's a complete waste of my breath because you'll just keep doing it. So it's, that's the end of it. Okay. Sorry, people. Hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving, Father Larry. Thank you, Tony. <laughs> in light of the situation with Bishop Strickland, at one point, are you considered in schism due to not listening to the Pope? Uh, you're automatically in schism and excommunication when you say he's no longer the, he was, he's not a, a pope. It's, I forget what they call it, uh, um, sediventus or the seat is empty, you know. So you automatically, when you do that, like uh, uh, Father Altman the other day separated himself from the church when he called um, for the murder of the pope and he said that he will go to hell. He excommunicated himself publicly. So, He's still a priest because you're a priest in excommunication or not. But if he doesn't repent, there will be. He will go to the very place that he has condemned the Holy Father to. And that's just objectively. I don't know his soul. I'm hoping he comes to repentance. I just think that he's either uh, possessed 
or he has mental uh, issues that he needs to be dealt with. Um, I have mental issues that need dealt with. As you see, I get anger issues. Um, but the, the reality is we got to make sure that we know that, okay? Um, hello, Father Larry. Quick question about Bishop Strickland. Is he still a priest? Yes, and he's still a bishop. Um, again, the only way he'd come out if he went out and said... Uh, he can still say Mass. He can still care confessions. There was, uh, as far as we know, nothing um, evil that he did. Like he didn't do anything um, scandal. Like he brought scandal. Um, but so he's still a priest in good standing. He's still a bishop, all that stuff. Now he'll excommunicate himself if he starts going the other direction and starts saying the Pope isn't the Pope. Now he read a... Uh, a thing at a Rome conference with uh, LifeSite a couple of weeks ago and um, about the, the sea is vacant. It wasn't his. He said a good friend wrote that to him, and it's a dark time in the church. Now, since then, found out that that good friend is the auxiliary bishop um, who wrote the book Credo. So again, ah, you're getting real close to excommunicating yourself. A bishop can be excommunicated, they can be self-excommunicated if they break with Rome, if they no longer, that's why I keep saying we have to always go back to the magisterium. The Pope with his bishops, not with all bishops, you're always going to have some uh, people that don't agree, but most, that's always what we come back to, the magisterium of the church, the magisterium of the church, the magisterium of the church, okay? Do-do-do-do-do. Hope you're not having Thanksgiving alone. Nope, uh, we're driving up to Buffalo on Thanksgiving. We can pick you up. Thanks, Chris. I have a lot of uh, invitations this year. I have good friends coming up from San Diego. Um, and uh, I don't know if I'm going to get to Pittsburgh to be at my brother or stepfather. Might do it the day after the day. I, I just don't know yet. I, but I have, but thank you. I have a lot of people who have been inviting me by God's grace. Hello from West Texas. Prayers for you to keep strong. We need so much more people. Thank you. Uh, some people don't think we need people like me at all. Huh? <laughs> so, God bless you, Father. Thanks, Miriam. Um, Bruce, Father, tell the priest you're not a liberal or conservative. You're a realist. There's nothing more real than Jesus. Thank you, Bruce. None of my business. What about the German bishops, cardinals? Are they, are they or who are trying to change our church? How do I shut up and pray? My church is none of my business. It's me and God's. It's God's. He's going to be able to, hand, God's in charge of the church. It looks like that you think that you can, that you need to be in charge. Um, I think there's going to be two schisms. There'll be a liberal schism out of Germany and there'll be a conservative schism out of America. Both are wrong. Both are the evil one. So, but there, there, we have a, a magisterium that's dealing with both of them right now. I promise you that. But your little uh, anger and none of your business type stuff isn't going to change anything. What it's going to change is people not wanting to come to know Jesus because of you. So you got to be filled with gratitude. you got to be knowing that God is in charge of his church and God is going to win. See, sometimes we think that God's a fool in heaven. And he doesn't. God always wins. He always wins. He always wins. He always wins. He always wins. But the way he wins is not the way some of you want him to win. When God conquered Satan and when God conquered sin, he did it by the cross. 
not by yelling and screaming, carrying on like I'm doing at this very moment. That's why I'm not Jesus, but I need to be more like Jesus. But that's the way God wins. And so that's got to be the way the church wins. huh? But it will win. God will win. And we got to be trusting that. So when I'm saying it's none of your business, it's none of your business. Yes, I'm saying that. I don't know if you got it. You're probably not paying any attention right now, but exactly. Yes, Jesus is our only hope. I hope I plead his precious blood on his, this world, my family and all. I pray for my God bless you. Amen. Thank you, Margaret. Um, Joy and I will pray for the love on behalf of every full grace of heavenly blessings. Thank you. In Catholic Men's Bible, with your commentary, footnote on John 14, 27 says, Jesus' shalom is a gift of salvation, connoting the bounding of a messianic blessing. What is the messianic blessing? The messianic blessing is all the, the hope that comes from the Messiah of God, that he reconciles us with God, that uh, all the blessings of uh, the pre-fall, you know, when we talk about the shalom peace, um, we, when Jesus died on the cross and resurrected after the resurrection when he says peace i leave you my peace i give you it's his peace is not of the world it's a peace that's guaranteed inside of us and from uh, from god himself and it's a peace that's a pre-fall peace oneness with god oneness with others excuse me oneness with self oneness with the world and so that that's what Jesus comes to bring. But again, sometimes we all get stuck up into, and I do it, oh my, please. We get stuck into our own uh, world stuff instead of focusing on Jesus. So if we come back and we focus on Jesus and we let like, and, and, and when I'm praying, if I'm not just telling God what to do on the, this is what you need to do, God. And I just am being still in the presence of God and he's telling me I am in charge, not you. You need to surrender to me and I'll use you for my glory. Then we can let go and we can let God, let God be in control. But again, all of us thinking that we need to be the ones that judge the world and we need to be the ones that call the popes and cardinals and bishops wrong. Um, that's what I always say. I've never... Uh, even, again, every pope I have loved, every pope I have sworn allegiance to, and every pope, uh, even for our CMLA, everyone that's on the board has to swear, soon will swear allegiance to the Holy Father and to the Magisterium. That's what makes us Catholic. So, but I am still one to call people out in love, you know, and I want everyone to be saved, and I want people to sit next to me forever in heaven who uh, I disagreed with now. I hope that... Uh, uh, Father Altman gets to sit next to me forever in heaven. He'll hate it. <laughs> but whatever, I just want the reality that is many people to be saved because God wants everybody to be saved. God wants everyone to be saved. And again, as I said last week, and I want to make sure that uh, you hear this again, who's telling me that you have to, it's none of your, the, I'm, when I'm saying it's none of your business, if John 3, 17, after John 3, 16, it says, God so loved the world, he sent his only son, anyone who believes in him may not die, but have eternal life. John 3, 17 says, God did not send his son in the world to condemn it, but to save it. So you have to do everything in your power to save it. What does that mean? You're going to fast and pray. You're going to die for other people. Yeah, that's what it means. And we die every day to our own wants, our own needs. But again, um, this is the reality. So, 
Uh, God bless you, Father Larry. I, uh, being honest, thank you, Richard. Thank you for being your father. Um, thank you. I lost my 94-year-old mother three months ago, and I feel your pain when you lost your mother. Yes, Richard, it's a hard thing, but knowing that the God of the universe has my mother now, and he has your mother too, and I'd encourage you, get to know your mother now as she is. She's alive. She sees the face of God, and she prays for you, and she loves you, and that you can still be very intimate with your mother. Every time you receive communion, it's not just communion with Jesus, but it's communion with your mother, okay? So, Good job. Let's ask some of these questions here. Love is a decision, not a feeling. You got absolutely correct, Tony. I don't know how I missed that. Um, can you tell feeling emotions for a Catholic is important or not? Uh, our emotions, of course, are part of our lives. And so God gave us emotions. Jesus had emotions. He got angry. He uh, was sad. He wept. So Jesus, who is God, took all of our emotions into himself. We just can't let our emotions control us. But they do tell us something about something that's going on with us. So I was talking to someone today, and they were struggling with something, and I says, uh, unpack that when you're feeling whatever. Unpack it with the Lord. Why am I feeling this way? Because sometimes our emotions are trying to tell us something. You know, um, like when I talk about anger, anger is never the problem. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, a symptom of either fear or hurt. And so when we get angry, we're trying to protect ourselves, protect others. Now, that's for selfish anger. But there is a righteous anger that is to protect other people. So if someone's making fun of somebody, and I go and I righteously get angry at them, and I uh, do that. So when someone makes, uh, goes against the Pope, I righteously get angry. I just do, you know, and so for anything like that, when people are, I just get righteously angry. So there is a righteous anger, which Jesus got, and there is an unrighteous anger, which is all about us. And so, but if we know that it's just a symptom and uh, the core problem, we have to get in there. Am I afraid right now? Am I fearful right now? Is it a combination of both? That there's something else going on? So emotions are telling us about something in our lives right now. And so we have to pay attention to them. But we don't let them control us. Hope that helps. Well, thanks, Audrey, for inviting me to Thanksgiving dinner. YouTube. If we go to confession, our sins are forgiven, and we told you... And we are told that Jesus doesn't remember our sins once we are confessed. Please explain the final judgment of the soul. The final judgment of the soul is for the justice of God for everybody. That everybody gets what they um, justly deserve, which all of us would be damnation, but that Jesus gives people what they want. So again, the, when I always talk about don't be focused on yourself uh, and don't be focused on always your sin, because God, Jesus paid the penalty for them. Again, like someone, when they came today, I said, do you get it? That we don't pay the penalties for our sin. Jesus did. And we got to be grateful. And again, we still have to work out and bring healing to the body of Christ because of our sin. But it's Jesus who paid the fullness of that. And we just got to live in his gratitude, okay? But why should Jesus pay for sin of someone like Hitler or rapist, pedophile killers? It doesn't make sense. Everyone will be judged by his actions and good things and bad things they do in this world. Didn't Jesus talking about hell and heaven? Of course he talked about hell and heaven. But again, if everybody got what they deserved, we would all be uh, damned because all of us have killed Jesus, the Son of God. Now, 
Hitler, after all the people he killed, he probably never repented. But if he would have repented, God could have forgiven him. Because God, again, if we look at the world just from this perspective, life stinks. But the world doesn't end. And when people die, it's not the end. It's just the beginning. So we have to always have a perspective of eternity. But we have to do everything in our power to stop evil. Like I pray every day and I do everything. That's why we start adoration to stop abortion. It's the worst thing ever in the world. But I've heard literally thousands of women and men who have had abortions or participated in abortion. And I'm very compassionate to that. But I'll do anything in my power to stop us from killing our children. We need to be have both in there. But God, even after a mother kills her baby, can still forgive because Jesus pays the penalty. That's what grace is. That's what, so this is a non-Christian asked the question. But you don't understand grace. You understand justice. But we're talking about grace. And that's why when we just look at the uh, Bible from the Old Testament, that's, that's all justice. Uh, grace comes when Jesus came and dies for our sins. And so it's a different reality. So sometimes people use Old Testament passages to okay their um, behavior today. But we always got to put it in the context, well, how does Jesus deal with this and not just the Old Testament? Okay, anyway, 357, I got to get out of here and talk to my shrink about my anger issues. Anyway, I got to go, but... uh, Next week at Thanksgiving, know that I'm very grateful for you. The people that agree with me, the people that don't agree with me, the people I get angry at, the people that get angry at me. It's all part of being a family. And as a family, we're going to disagree. We're going to go back and forth. But I love you. I want everyone here to make it to heaven. And I am praying for you twice a day to do that. Please pray for me, even when you get mad. Okay? Have a blessed Thanksgiving. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless, keep, and protect you. He was Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. You be good. Blessed Thanksgiving.